Coming up next on The Jeff Curley Show, you're going to meet an attorney with a unique specialty. She represents businesses in the alternative substances industry, things like cannabis. Her journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Curley, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, at some point, Congress has to deal with the patchwork of laws that go across this country when it goes when it comes to hemp and CBD and cannabis, and we'll see if Congress um, has the nerve to deal with these. But you can have something that's legal in one state um, drive a mile over the state line, and suddenly it's illegal. To talk about that today, Chelsea Spencer. She's with Ritter Spencer. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on. Well, I need to hear your background because uh, when you got into law, were you was this even on your radar screen? Absolutely not. Um, so I went to law school to be an intellectual property attorney. I knew when I entered school that's what I wanted to do, uh, particularly trademarks and copyrights. And I came out doing that, and funnily enough, federal cyber crimes defense, uh, and the two do tie in together. But about, uh, I think, nine years ago, one of my larger clients that's in the tobacco industry came to me and they said, uh, we need to register a CBD trademark. And like the rest of America at that time, um, I said, what is CBD? And at that time, even the USPTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Agency, really did not know what they were doing with. So it was a roller coaster of learning because a mark that sailed through one month, the next month there would be patch, as you so astutely mentioned, a patchwork of regulations governing the substance. So it just became a huge learning curve. I fell into it. I absolutely loved it. And I, I, my, I have the best job in the world, is what I tell people. And she's become something of a voice in the industry. I saw a recent article in Forbes. Let's go ahead and put this on the screen. Meet the fearless lawyer saving the CBD industry. What does that feel like to be featured in the media like that? Um, that was amazing. I, I say all the time I really don't deserve it because there are so many people in this industry who are really effective advocates for the plant medicine industries, but uh, it was it was great to have that, certainly. Sure, sure. And uh, I met you through a very popular show. We air on our network, the Weed and Whiskey Show, and there you are with J-Man. Um, talk a little bit about why you feel it's important to educate people on um, the laws. So, so many of us grew up with the stigma that uh, you, you either grew up in the this is your brain on pot generation or the reefer badness generation where you were taught that um, this substance had no medicinal value. Other countries have completely disproven that in uh, at least for 70 something years over in Israel. And in the United States, we just had this culture of prohibition. And I think it's really important that people open their minds and learn that 
cannabis, like any other medication that you can get at your pharmacy, has really effective medical benefits, particularly for certain conditions such as uh, pancreatic cancer. If you know someone with pancreatic cancer who's having problems with their appetite and they're not eating, um, I have seen pancreatic patient cancers who are patients who have lost hundred pounds who will not eat and they take a sublingual tincture dosage or they, they vape or, or have a, a smokable product and within five minutes they're hungry and they're wanting a cheeseburger and that's remarkable um, but also the pain relief benefits for certain qualifying conditions. Sure and um, as an alternative to say opioids which is very very addictive and can really mess up your body uh, we've got some generic video of uh, medical marijuana and um, cannabis. Uh, talk a little bit about why it's so important that the laws change to address this because so many uh, patients really need it. It's, it's kind of a, a life and death situation for some. Absolutely. And right now, it's a real risk on, risk on the business side because at the federal level, cannabis remains a Schedule One substance. So cannabis companies are subject to um, IRS 280E, which we could talk about for an hour, but it essentially means that they can only deduct cost of goods sold on their dispensaries. Um, and that means they're remitting about 70 to 78% of their gross right back to the federal government. Um, and risking prosecution, though the risk is, is, is decreased, particularly on the medical side because of the Aurora Barker far amendments. But here in Texas, we have such a large patient population who is completely ineligible to access medical marijuana. And as you pointed out, um, opioid use is, is a giant problem right now. And I speak to so many people who are able to tell me, Chelsea, I went from eight opioid medications daily to this one cannabis product, and it has changed my life. I've seen uh, you know, teenagers whose parents never thought they would be able to succeed in an out of home environment and go on to, to be quite successful and able to uh, self-mitigate when they have their uh, proper dosing. I've seen elderly people who are in chronic pain from conditions like multiple sclerosis or, or cerebral palsy or others, Parkinson's, who are able to have a functioning lifestyle when they have access to this medication. And Jeff, the problem here in Texas is that unlike any other state that has a medical marijuana program, um, we don't have what's called a, a catch-all provision in our statute where the legislatures have said, doctors, you're the doctors. You're the ones who went to medical school for this. And we can allow you to decide what, um, what condition that your patient qualifies for. Our legislatures instead have a very specific list. And if you don't fit on that specific list, no doctor here in the state of Texas can prescribe you medical cannabis. And we really need to restore the discretion back to the physicians here in Texas. Sure. And it also, um, because of the patchwork of law, it gives rise to kind of black market stuff. Uh, if you talk to anybody in California, they'll tell you, um, you know, why do it legally when you can do it illegally and you're not, you're not taxed on it? We have that issue here. Um, so many head shops sell high Delta 9 or Delta 8 products, and we hear from veterans or, or other people who would not qualify for this condition, such as those who suffer with chronic, chronic pain, and they'll say, why in the world would I spend 300 to to $1,000, depending on um, your condition and your medication, when I can simply go to the gas station on the corner 
and buy this product for 30 to 50 bucks. Yeah. What, what do you see in your crystal ball in, as far as uh, federal legislation at some point uh, in our lifetimes? To, does Washington deal with this? They have to deal with it. Um, I, I have to say this is always such a difficult question to answer because our legislatures know that they have to deal with this. And on the front facing side, when they're on television telling you that they're working on it, um, they are, but the conversations are very preliminary. I mean, we don't even know what federal agency would be responsible for this. And, and you know how long the government can take sometimes. Uh, you can look to the FDA and the hemp rim when on December 18th of 28, or 20, December 20 of 2018, they said, we will regulate CBD. We just need time to study it. And they just came out about a month ago five years later saying, um, well, we've decided we don't have a, the authority to to change the laws that we need to on this. So Congress is going to have to react to that. But that tells you a little bit about the lengthy process. And where I actually think change is going to happen is in the courts, because slowly successful litigators who are, are very careful with the claims they bring, which is a, an important point there that we could talk about for about two hours, are slowly chipping away at the federal regime. Because to schedule a substance in the United States, the government has to first meet the threshold of saying that it is highly susceptible to abuse and that it has no medical value whatsoever. I mean, tell anybody <laughs> that and see if you get a straight face reaction in 2022 that cannabis has no medical value. Right. And a lot of prosecutors won't even touch a, uh, a small case of marijuana, right? Yes. And it's quite unfortunate because not unfortunate they won't touch it. Unfortunate because our legislature is in session and our leadership here is, uh, particularly our lieutenant governor, is pushing for prosecutors to once again prosecute individuals for minor possession. <laughs> Okay, so if somebody's watching this and say, wow, um, how do I get involved with, uh, how does somebody kind of plug into this movement? It, it can be difficult. There are local organizations. Um, Foundation for an Informed Texas, I think, is, is one of the better ones here in Texas. But also reach out to your representatives and senators directly. They absolutely love to hear from you. And you you may be rolling your eyes saying, you know, they'll, they'll never answer the phone. They'll never read that letter. They do because I help draft on the back end and I read your letters and I hear the comments. Um, uh, if you participate in a poll, I get those comments as well. Um, another really effective way right now is that the Texas Department of Public Safety who manages the Texas Compassionate Use Program here in Texas has a working group and the working group is looking at our medical marijuana program at this very moment. They are meeting monthly for that and they have an email on the website which I'm, I'm sure Jeff's people can put up on the end here um, and you can submit your comments directly to them about things you would like to see changed about our medical program um, and a couple of things just some suggestions for you we should either remove our THC cap or increase it. Uh, we're capped at 1%, which is really negligible for medicinal value. Um, and again, give our physicians the discretion, not our legislators who do not have a medical degree. Outstanding. You've been an amazing guest. We're going to have to have you back again. I'd love to come. Uh, we're going to end with her website, which is ritterspencer.com. The great Chase, uh, Chelsea Spencer. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.